Hi, and welcome to this Word in Season. Today we'll be hearing from Pastor Justin Naidu from Zoe Community Church in Johannesburg, South Africa. The Bible says God's Word is the seed for a bountiful harvest. We pray that you will flourish as you apply the principles in the Word of God. In Genesis chapter 2, we'll read from verse number 1 through to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day. On the sixth day, God creates man and on the seventh day, he goes into rest. God's rest day is man's first day of work. Now the Bible goes on to say, God blessed the seventh, sanctified it, And then if you read very carefully, before any plant, verse 5, of the field was in the ground, before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. Now, there's the law of first mention, which I want to highlight to you. In verse number 1, it says, or verse 2, God ended his work. So we go to work, and we find out what is work all about. The word work in the original Hebrew is the word malaka. It means employment. It is your occupation and your service. And the root word of malaka is the word malak. And this word malak means to serve. It means to work or to worship. Isn't that interesting? It carries with it the note of being a legal representative a messenger, or an ambassador. So when you go and understand the word work, in the word work means to serve, it means to worship, and as we go deeper, in work is locked the capacity to be a representative, to be an ambassador, and to be one who carries a message. So, why could God go into rest? God goes into rest from all his work because he has on the earth someone who can deputize on his behalf. Someone who will be his exact representation. But what does this man do? He tills the ground. He is called to be a tiller of the soil. To till the ground is to serve. It is to work. It is to worship. So in you working, your working is not just to earn remuneration, it is to represent. And in representation, there is worship. So your work is worship. Your work is worship. So Adam and Eve have a son. It's amazing. The firstborn son of Adam and Eve is Cain. And guess what Cain does? Like every firstborn son of a father follows in his father's footsteps. (laughs) He becomes a tiller of the soil. He does the same thing. Because like Adam served God through his work, Cain is the tiller of the soil. Something he's learning from his father. Serving God is to come to the understanding That work must become worship. Look at King David. David's work, 
occupation and employment was a shepherd and he made his employment worship unto god a lot of people today who despise their work i know it's difficult listen going to work is difficult because you're dealing with large corporations you're dealing with people who have narcissistic personality disorder bipolar and they are all in management Ephesians 2 verse 5 and 6 the bible says even when you were dead in trespasses and sins god made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved verse 6 says and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in christ jesus so you are not seated just as an earthling you are seated in heavenly places so your view of what you do does not come from this perspective it is from above you are born from above so everything in your journey is about a heavenly perspective marriage can't be just this view here i'm born from above so i have a heavenly eternal view of marriage sexuality can't be viewed from an earthly perspective I am not afraid to speak about what God was not afraid to create. If I have a heavenly perspective of sexuality, then I know that in my anatomy God impressed his image into my anatomy. And I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Likewise when it comes to work, when it comes to work you have to have a heavenly perspective of your employment. Genesis chapter 2 verse number 15 says and the Lord God took the man put him into the garden to dress it and to keep it and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may eat freely but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat it for in that day if you eat thereof you will surely die so yes adam is in the garden and as long as he was eating from the tree of life and the tree of life represents christ as long as adam was partaking of christ he saw work as worship the moment he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that is secular humanism the moment he ate of that tree The moment he eats of the wisdom that is from below he begins to experience work from the sweat of his brow. So today you have to ask yourself which tree am I feeding off? The tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? In Genesis chapter 3 Adam said, no no watch Adam. Watch Adam. Guys, men, all of you men's fellowship is on right now. Then God said to Adam because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you saying thou shalt not eat of cursed is the ground for your sake watch the word now in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life verse 19 says in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread you're going to till the ground see when you begin to see work as sweaty 
when you begin to see work as arduous as strenuous as back breaking as tiresome then sometimes you got to ask yourself this question am i having a worldly view of work because everybody's waiting for friday how about waiting for monday when we all eat of the tree of life which is our lord jesus christ or i should say christ the eternal christ our work becomes service and worship unto god we are born of the last adam we are not born of the first adam the last adam is christ and christ is a life giving spirit and his spirit dwells in the sons and daughters of god our work will become worship when we understand that the holy spirit is within us and he can empower us listen to me carefully this let's let's begin to look at genesis 4 there's cain and there's abel just four human beings now on the earth i don't know these guys whether they had a bible or what but they understood they had to bring an offering and abel also brought of the first born of his flock and of their fat and the lord respected abel and his offering verse 5 says but he did not respect cain and his offering and cain was very angry and his countenance fell you see abel means a breath that's what it means his name abel literally means a breath and he labors from the breath that is in him this man abel is offering something that pleased god listen to the lens abel saw his work as service unto god this is the mind of a hebrew a hebrew will go to work and his work primarily is service unto god prosperity is a by product yeah. if i become rich and wealthy so so that's why when the hebrew will go into the field or wherever he is working he recites the shema several times a day he says yo israel the lord our god is one he begins to put on all his garments and he begins to pray because primarily it was not about the remuneration it was about the representation you can labor for remuneration or you can labor for representation you be the judge so whether it's 5 rand an hour or whether it's 50000 rand a day i don't really care because it is about who i represent suddenly seated here and he was sharing with us a few months ago of what took place with him he was working at school and they gave him a whole load of tasks to do that wasn't part of his job description and didn't go with the package so they gave him no increase and they loaded him with the whole load of tasks and he was doing the work and doing the work quietly and then suddenly the principal comes to him and says we've been watching you and we want to make you the head of department and we want to now remunerate you accordingly in economics I studied economics I did economics 1 and 2 I didn't want to go past there because <laughs> multiple choice and negative marking was not my high but in economics it is said that people know how much to work for so if you pay someone 20 rand an hour they will not give you work for 21 rand an hour 
So one of the uh, one of the submissions that was made is that you pay people more than what they are worth, so they'll give you more than that which you give them. So if a guy is working and earning twenty rand a month, give him twenty five rand an hour. So he will step up from his twenty rand, and he will know it's it's out of range with what he's doing, and he'll give you thirty rand worth of work. So you start paying them more. You see, Cain murdered his brother Abel. And we murder our brothers with anger, with jealousy, with covetousness when we don't understand how work is meant to be worshipped. The anger was because one saw work as worship, the other saw work as sweat. It was the duty of a firstborn son to take care of his sibling Abel, his younger brother. Firstborn comes with rights, it comes with privileges, but it also comes with a lot of responsibility. But watch what happens. Work became competition rather than a function that brought worship and service to God. How many of you go to work and there's competition? What do you do when there's competition? You murder. Not really physically murder, but you will assassinate with your words. You will, there will be covetousness. People are waiting for you to die. Even in the church. Because they want your job. It's competition. Who can get to the top? But you as a son of God, you are not living like this. You show up at work. I'm doing my work. I'm not wanting to climb as high as I can, as fast as I can. I'm here to represent my father. Because you see work like Abel as worship. And to bring your firstborn and of their fat. To bring that firstborn offering is okay. Because everything is meant to be service unto God. Genesis 4.16 And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, which means a wandering place. Goes to Nod. And Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Cain leaves the presence of God. When he leaves the presence of God, he builds a city. He becomes successful. You can become successful, but out of the presence of God. You can become successful, but out of the plan of God. You can become successful out of the will of God. Our work must be from a higher order, a higher understanding, from the presence of God. Same thing happened with the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. Foolish boy in Luke chapter 12. His ground yielded plentifully, but it wasn't worship unto God. He had no riches toward God. That's what the Bible says. He, had, he wasn't rich toward God. Jacob understood the principle of work as worship. How did he do it? 14 years you're working for a lady. Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seem but a few days. That's what the Bible says in Genesis 29 20. You see, because he had a love for someone, he was rewarded with nations. 
Here's another example, Joseph. Joseph saw his work as worship. Look at what Joseph went through in his journey. He never allowed the circumstances that surrounded his work to corrupt his spiritual, heavenly understanding of his work. He was accused falsely. He was despised. But he still experienced divine favor and promotion, not from man, but from the Lord. That's key. Why? Because it was an attitude to serve God in worship. When he comes into Egypt, he gives full expression of work being worshipped when he brings his family together and he preserves the seed of Christ in that family. When our work is seen as service and worship unto our God, God uses your work for his glory. If you are feeling like you are stuck and you're going nowhere, Maybe change the lens of what you are doing. Wake up on a Monday morning and start becoming someone who says, Today I am going to worship God. How about saying that on a Monday morning? Today I'm going to raise a hallelujah. And don't go sit behind your desk and speak in other tongues now. Take it easy. Just say, I want to represent my father. And you go there and you just know 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. You display the fruits of the spirit, self-control. You don't have to say, the Bible says, thus saith the Lord. Don't say those words. Quote of proverb, because people get offended when you mention the word Bible. Say, a wise man once said, and quote Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 11. A wise man once said, he who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. But he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. 28.19 says, He who tills his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows frivolity will have poverty enough. Now, when we begin to till our land, when you begin to work your land, from the understanding of worship, what is the Bible saying? You will be satisfied with bread, with plenty of bread. So when you see work as worship, you will be satisfied with the plenitudes of God. But if you function from the place of frivolity, what is the result? The result is poverty. You don't want to be an empty vessel. You must be full of his word and his spirit. So look at all the people in the Bible that worked. God always used workers to be his representatives. When you look at the Old Testament, you will find people like Jacob worked for Laban for 20 years. Samuel was working. He was serving in the temple. David took care of sheep. Gideon was threshing wheat. Joseph was a carpenter. Elisha plowed with Elijah. Peter, James, and John were doing something. They were fishing. Paul was a tent maker. And Matthew was a tax collector. They were working. And God used them to be his representatives. When you look at the 12 disciples, it will be very interesting to look at the broad spectrum of people that Jesus included in his team. Their work became worship unto God. Look at Luke chapter 5. Simon Peter's boat was ready. 
what influences the way you work what influences the way we labor number 1 it is being sent this is why you are called an apostolic people this is why you are a sent company of people you are not going there just to earn rands and cents and climb to the summit of whatever sphere you are placed in as a sent one as an apostolic company of people to take the flag you know what the romans used to do take the flag and when they hit uh, foreign land they would have conquered the land they take the flag and they put it down and say i'm here when roman ships would move into territories they would move with a lead ship called the apostolos and that apostolos ship when it docked they would take the flag and put it into the ground you are meant to be an apostolic people who put the flag of the kingdom into the ground where you are placed Amen. as representatives we must know how to be sent into our labors don't be lawless in going into anything if you're involved in ministry don't be lawless who sent you if you are going into business who sent you if you are going into marriage who sent you that's why the father will bring his daughter and will present and will give his blessing and now he even asks the groom's parents to pronounce their blessing because they're sending you and you carrying the mantle of a sent one the principle of sending results in the release of grace to function effectively in your labors that's why sometimes we pronounce the benediction on a sunday today i'm going to pray over you and i'm going to commission you that when you show up at work tomorrow they are going to say how beautiful are the feet of them who brings good news we not just going to function as a lawless people we're going to go into territories and terrains where we see our work as worship to represent the god we serve Joshua was sent into battle with the Amalekites. The Bible says, "Choose us some men, go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand." Joshua was sent. David was sent. He overcame the lion, he overcame the bear. Ruth was sent into the field by Naomi. The trajectory of your life can change by the apostolic sending you receive you guys want to go to work tomorrow sit behind the desk work for a few hours earn a few bucks and go home even if it's a seven figure salary per month is that what your life is going to be about or is it going to be as one who is sent by god like ruth in the field do you know ruth's sending being sent into the field reached a consummate moment when she owned the field some of you are working in places and you don't know that god can give you that business are your feet the feet of a sent one and the bible says in mark 16:15 go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature now you are thinking going into the world to preach means you have to be wearing a suit and tie standing behind a pulpit and reformed theologians some of them have this view that they can put out and it's good to have an open air and preach but he says go into all the world 
The world is the different vocations that we are involved in. Go into these worlds. There is the world of commerce. There is the world of education. There is the world of science. The world of music. The world of medicine. The world of, I won't say journalism, but the world of journalism. The world of arts. The world of sport. Go into all the worlds and preach. So when you stand out there and you are Marcus Rashford and you talk about your God... By the way, Marcus Rashford is madly in love with Jesus. This is only going to happen when you are sent into the world and you have an understanding that your work is worship. For those of you in business, don't enter business to make money. Enter business to represent the Father. Suddenly God will take you into a place and if you, as you step in, the Lord will give you a word of knowledge and you call somebody aside and you say, I know you're going through so much, but this is what the Lord has shown me. Number one is sending. Number two is the yoke. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Matthew 11 28 says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke is the apparatus that joins two animals. Your yoking to the Lord will determine your influence in the marketplace. Our joining is evidence that we are one with the Lord. You are yoked to the Lord. You are plowing the field. How many of you know that if one of the ox is weaker than the other, the strength of the stronger is made perfect in the strength of the weaker? So you don't have the strength, but you yoke to someone who is omnipotent, is omniscient. How many of you went to university? Some of us went past it, right? Do you know your university education, when you step into the marketplace, I don't know what percentage of the education in university we use in practical sense when we get into the marketplace. Suddenly you're there, you show up, and there's this big thick file on your desk this brief that came from this, whoever it is, you can't understand it. It is absolute Greek to you. But then you are yoked. And you say, Lord, today, because I'm joined to the Lord, I'm one with the Lord. Workers must be joined to the Lord. But you see, the joining to the Lord must also bring connection to his body. Iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. There was a man in the Bible, his name was Elisha. And Elisha sacrificed a yoke of oxen. And when he sacrificed that yoke, he took on another yoke where he became joined to Elijah. That was the point of his destiny in God. That moment brought him to his destiny in God. You see, there must be joinings in the spirit between fathers and sons. There must be joinings to one another. When we yoke ourselves to one who carries grace, divine enablement comes to us. Timothy was divinely enabled by Paul, Elisha by Elijah. Young people, let me say this to you. Who we join determines how we labor. Next principle, I'm going to go quickly. What determines how you labor? Number three is food. 
you are what you eat. John 6.27 says, Do not labor for food that perishes. John 4.32, Jesus said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know of. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Food is the word of God. It is doctrine that will determine how you labor. When you go to work tomorrow, it will not be the same. I, I promise you, food is going to determine how you're going to labor. You've been laboring the way you have because of the doctrine that has been fed to you. The next thing is sight. Sight must determine how we labor. John 4.35 says, Do you not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. The way you see determines the way you work. To lift up your eyes simply means to remove or take away anything that is blocking your sight. You see, right now there could be many veils over our eyes that are causing us not to view things from a heavenly realm. Abraham separated from a man called Lot. And Lot was one who veiled his eyes. When Lot left, God said to Abraham, lift up your eyes. Abraham and Lot are friends. How many of you got friends? Associations. The way some of the people around you see is determining the way you see. So some people have an open view of marriage. So they are friends, you'll have an open view of marriage. Marriage is to the exclusion of all others. Finish and clear. Fight me on it, I'm willing to give you the victory. But that's what my Bible says. Our sight determines how we also labor. So if you have someone who is only working for more money and more money and more money and more money, they are never going to see work as worship. In Genesis chapter 13, when you look at Lot, Lot in Genesis 13.10 lifted his eyes and saw all the plains of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the garden of the Lord. <laughs> Lot saw the well watered plains of Jordan. He didn't see that it had a seed or a measure of sinfulness in it. Our perspective must be from the heavens. See, Joseph of Arimathea was a wealthy man. He must have worked and labored and must have accumulated wealth. But what does he do with his wealth? He used his wealth when Jesus' body was on the cross. Joseph of Arimathea goes and he uses his wealth to preserve the body of Christ. Because that body will rise in glory. You must receive sight for your labor. What are you laboring for? What are you laboring for? Just ask yourself that question. Our labors must add weight to the body of Christ globally. God rebuked me on this during the course of the week. Because my wife decided that it was time to close the curtain or bring down the curtain on an illustrious, beautiful career at the public broadcaster. And some other 
college or university offered her a part-time lecturing post. And I was very disturbed. I tell you thing, I was disturbed because they were offering her absolutely nothing to lecture. And you know, when Mal lectures, some of you know about Mal when she lectures, because I received some of them. <laughs> she takes a whole life and prepares and you know, she goes big. Now, she, after she did the first few lectures, I'm thinking, what? This is what they pay. But the Lord rebuked me. He said, no, lift up your eyes. See what I'm doing. I'm forming. I'm squeezing. I'm shaping. Because listen to me, it's a very humbling thing to go from the editor of SABC with all of your titles and then to just, when you leave work and go into something else, sometimes the ground up is very difficult. But you need sight. You need sight for the labors. And lastly today, I'll close with this. My first close. What determines how you labor? It is a rhema word from the Lord. You can toil from the sweat of your brow. Or you can labor from the rhema of God. In Luke chapter 5, the Bible says, Then Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to push out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to him, launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night. Maybe you are toiling all night by the sweat of your brow. You are rowing and rowing and rowing and you're not going anywhere. We have caught nothing. Then he says, nevertheless, despite my knowledge of seas and tides and the understanding of all that goes on here, I will heed your word. At your word, I will let down the net. The Bible is saying, so when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to the partners in the other boat. Simon labored from his experience as a fisherman. But when a rhema of God comes to you, when a dabar comes to you, that will determine the profitability of your labor. He said, let down your nets. And he said, launch into the deep. The deep was calling out to deep. When Simon, you see, Simon was toiling. But he handed himself over to the life-giving word of the one who was the word. And his labor became easy. Many of us are disobedient to God's word. And remember I said us, so it includes me. We hear God's word and we disobey. We hear God's word, for a moment it causes an effect and then we go back to default setting. Obedience. To a rhema word is the difference between toiling and resting. There's a silence here, but let me tell you something. There's a huge cry in the spirit because deep is crying out to deep. You do your part, God will bring the harvest. Work becomes worship. When you are consistently obedient to the voice of the Lord. Work becomes worship when you are consistently obedient to the word of the Lord. Now, the word of God must direct our work 
and not work directing our obedience to the word and that rhema word comes through one who is sent many people don't obey one who is sent from god because they think at that moment they have more wisdom let's use the boats as an example who's on your boat jesus was on peter's boat he was sent he was on another boat and whilst he was on another boat the st- boat was in a storm but there was one who was sent from god and he was sleeping in the boat he just gets up and he says peace be still another time these people were rowing i think it's in john chapter 6 and they were caught in a storm but jesus gets into the boat and the moment he gets into the boat they are at land in acts 27 paul was on a boat and he said to them men i perceive this journey will end in disaster but they didn't listen to paul they chose to listen to the captain of the ship and the owner of the ship because paul you know nothing about the seas and fishing and tides you know nothing about sailing you stick to your doctrine pastor you stay right where you are i will do as i please and the boat broke into pieces but because of paul's presence on the boat no life was lost you can have jonah on your boat and jonah can cause your boat to be in a chaos who's on your boat do you have one sent from god who gives you the word of god to preserve you in the time of crisis i hope today that we will move from toiling to resting because of our obedience to the word of god it's been so great having you with us we'd love to meet you in person at our sunday services please feel free to join us at 9 a.m. at 43 lotus street gallo manor santon if you'd like to access any of our free resources get more information or sow a seed into our ministry please visit our website on www.lifecom.co.za that's www.lifecom.co.za you can also subscribe to pastor justin naidu on youtube or find zoe community on facebook and instagram grace and blessings to you